Hey, podcaster, it's Charlie here bringing you another episode of The Business of Podcasting. And in today's episode, I am joined by Jared Krause of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Now, full disclosure, Jared is a client of Valamedia and he's also a friend. And the reason I brought him onto this podcast is I think he's had such a good journey in podcasting. And I wanted to share some of the story of what it's like going from absolute zero, day one, and deciding you want to do a podcast to breaking through those first. 22,000 downloads in about 10 months. Now, you'll also hear a little bit about what Jared's business was like before having the podcast and then how it's been able to change and really evolve and grow much more strongly since having a podcast after that. We also dive deep on growth strategies and I think Jared really lays down how he's using paid ads to accelerate things even faster and how he's also using his podcast to help close more sales in his business. Some really powerful stuff there. Later on in the conversation though, we discuss how he decides who to bring on his podcast as a guest. And then a topic I bring up often, how he builds his own authority on his show and doesn't just build up the guest's authority on the show. And this is something I think a lot of podcasters need to take more seriously. Now, before we head into the episode, this is a reminder that please subscribe to this show. If you are enjoying the business of podcasting, make sure you do subscribe and share with other podcasters. And if you head over to our website, valamedia.com, we'll make sure we have a link in the show notes with this episode itself, but make sure you check out our resources page where we've got a whole bunch of checklists and frameworks to help actually make your podcast even stronger. So guys, let's head into this episode and with the one and only Jared Krause. Welcome to the show, Jared Krause. How are you doing, Jared? Really good. Thanks so much for having me on, Charlie. Appreciate it. I'm stoked. This is a really exciting episode for me. So to give the episode some context, this is a show I've been working on with Jared for quite a while now. We're coming up to the one year mark since we started your podcast. Um, And this is one I've been closely involved in um, and just seeing some really good wins on the board. So before we get into my line of questioning and what I want to talk about on your show, just for everyone listening, can you give some context to one, what you do for a business, and then two, a little bit about your podcast? Sure. What I do for uh, as a business is I help people buy website businesses that are already established uh, and already, you know, have a passive income stream, mostly semi-passive. Obviously, there's always a bit of work to do when you own a business unless you're the owner and it sort of declines. But I help people buy website businesses because most startups fail, 90% of all startups fail, which is where I started. Uh, and I got over trying to start and fail, start and fail. I learned a lot, although I thought I'd just skip that whole failure rate, buy one, and then started teaching people. For the podcast, what I do is I just give out a bunch of value, a whole lot of value on how to buy a site, how to minimize risk, make sure you're not going to buy a lemon, do due diligence, and then also how to scale and grow it in all the different facets of SEO, digital marketing, and building up different platforms and social channels to get more traffic, more leads, and more sales. Awesome, man. And definitely, it's been good fun being on journey with this show. Before we get into some of the questions as well, I I wanted to really kind of set up the framing here. Why did you agree on the idea of doing a podcast? I know I put the idea forward. I said, hey, Jared, I think doing a podcast is a really good move for you. I think you're a charismatic leader. 
And I think you're actually quite a good podcast host, but what got you to agree with that on coming board with starting a podcast? Thanks so much. I, yeah, you mentioned it and you seeded it to me and I was kind of like heavily focused on this business model that I was, I was going down. It had already worked for so long, you know, we we're making a, a stack of money and I thought, yeah, podcasting would be good, but it's just another thing that I need to put, you know, I need to do. And how I was running my business at the time was it, the business was very dependent on me. And I know that you started out teaching people how to like build a business that can run without you. And so you started mentioning podcasting and I sort of said yes to the idea and, and kind of didn't do too much with it for a good couple of months. And then what happened was, the business was very dependent on me and it was also like, for example, everybody listening is I would get clients in and I'd be the main coach. I'd be teaching the clients and I'd take, it'd take a lot of one-on-one time from me. And I'd started building a team of, you know, sales team and also had a marketer on at that stage as well, Charlie. And my marketing actually wasn't really working. I wasn't like Facebook changed its algorithm, changed a whole lot of its privacy policies and advertising policies and how you could advertise and how you could set up different landing pages. And what happened is, well, I was, my results were declining due to that. No matter how much I changed my ads and all that sort of stuff. And what I was doing is I was doing direct, you know, ads, not to like to a cold audience and then having to sell them through, do the whole strategy call, sales call and build up, you know, had a quite a decent team, had four sales guys at the time and, uh, marketing guy and then myself and it just wasn't working i was paying a lot of money and not getting a result so i had to change the whole strategy and start putting out proper content instead of like putting putting you know an ad in front of somebody that's cold that doesn't know who i am and there's no trust there and the good thing about the podcast is that i put out a stack of content people absolutely love it and with podcasting as you know is you start to build a relationship with everybody that's listening, right? They may listen to you for 40 minutes a week and that can be more than sometimes people speak to their mum or their family or, you know, a lot of people and you can build this relationship with them even though it's not direct and it's and that builds a lot of trust and if they don't want to work with you, that's okay. They can keep getting value but I find a lot of people that listen to my podcast want to come on and work with me because of that uh, Because and that's mainly content marketing rather than direct marketing to a cold traffic and that's the main reason. I uh, went down that track. It was a big change, but uh, made it happen. I'm, I'm totally stoked and so happy because my business is diff- definitely different and it's so much easier to make sales. I don't have to pick up the phone. I don't have to do anything. People just come and come to me instead of me going around and, you know, fishing with a net. It's, it's kind of like um, Roger Hamilton. He says, what would you rather do? Would you rather get a butterfly net and go around chasing these butterflies and trying to trying to you know catch all these butterflies or should you build a better garden and build a garden with really good trees and flowers and brings the bees the birds and the butterflies in and they come to you rather than you going away and trying to trying to catch them and i feel that's a far better strategy and that's what podcasting is all about for me that interesting i love that analogy um and that's really a different way of thinking about why you might do a podcast. But I want to dig a little bit deeper here because I think what you just mentioned has applied to many people over the years. And I've seen actually a few people go down in recent time because of it. If you go back, let's say three years, it was completely viable to just have a business that was like, cool, we'll put up Facebook ads. 
we'll take them to a sales call, even if they've never heard of us before, um, and we'll just close them over the phone and we can take them into either a coaching program or a services business, potentially even products. If you fast forward three years, I really wonder if anyone is still doing that successfully because you've had this crossover and I know this is what you were experiencing. Um, We knew each other at that time and we're feeling some of that frustration. Costs of generating leads are going up substantially on that platform and I believe are still going up. And then also the effects of if you're having a sales calls that show up rates were declining in alignment with that. So you had this like twofold of like more expensive to get leads and then less and less showing up because, um, and I'm going to hold my phone up here. It's not actually going to ring, but it's like getting people onto the phone had gotten harder and harder as well as people had like gone into messenger platforms and enjoy content. And then going forward, like what I feel that you've got to experience is that when you swap over to that garden, when you're actually starting to create uh, content, and I love this saying, and giving people a reason to discriminate in your favor Hmm. because they agree with you and you've had that relationship with you, it it can be just such a huge shift for a business. And it's something we've both experienced. It's something that I think is going to get bigger. But for anyone listening to this podcast, I, I really want you to lean into that, that if you're relying on cold traffic sources direct to sales calls, I, I think those days are numbered. I really, really do. Yeah. I, I still cringe like if like when I'm trying to do um, some competitive analysis and, and look at different ads on Facebook and see what people are doing well and what they're not doing well. I, I, you know, I was doing this last week actually, and I saw some ads where people were booking people into like I'd never seen this person before, and they were asking me to come on and book a strategy call with them, and I'm like, I'm cringing at like how much are they paying to get that ad in front of me as a cold audience, and the likelihood of me picking up the phone talking to somebody who's got no like I've got no idea who they are, and you know when I could go uh, like to a different podcast and listen to somebody's podcast. And I know that person that does exactly what this other person was trying to get me on the phone for. I'm just going to go to that person that's got really good content. I've got a relationship with them. Absolutely. I mean, it's how I buy today. I mean, obviously, I'm biased and I love podcasts, but I just think it's, you know, obviously, we agree with what we're doing for a reason. The trust Mm. factor kind of makes it. Now, I hope this is okay. I'm actually going to share some of your show's numbers because I think they're astonishing. So, starting from scratch, so last year, your show started at about April. And at the time of recording this, we've just hit February of 2020. But um, I'm looking at the numbers I'm going to quickly bring over to my side here. And it's like, you're just about to crack 22,000 downloads in your first year from scratch, which I think is an outstanding achievement. Um, I think to have a show growing that way consistently over the year is just fantastic. But I wanted to ask, at what point did you start to feel the impact from your podcast onto your business? Like, when did you noticeably go, oh, hang on, like the people that are my customers now or the people that are sending me uh, inquiries are coming from the podcast? Like, when was the moment that started to happen? Yeah, it's probably over once I got that 10-ish episodes in, uh, so in between the two to three month mark range, I started to get people that were like, hey, like this is really awesome content and then start emailing me and asking me, you know, how can I get more and, you know, downloading my resources and starting to see the numbers on the resource numbers grow, you know, into my opt-ins and stuff like that. Uh, at this time, with, I'm pretty sure I'd still had maybe a couple of people uh, doing sales and I'll in between 
calls, uh, I'd push them, I'd get them to push, you know, some of my best episodes to them. And that helped build that relationship in a, in a shorter time frame before they jumped on another call and it maybe had a sales call with them. And that really, really helped like conversions whilst we're still doing that. Uh, but yeah, hang definitely. On, hang on, pause there for a second. I feel like you just dropped a nugget of gold and we just want to. So just to be clear, as the show was growing, you were still running Facebook ads to your sales team. So effectively inquiries. Correct. Your sales team were giving out episodes of the podcast as a resource to listen to outside the sales calls, perhaps to help them convert. And you noticeably saw that help as well. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add a little note in addition to that is that when originally we'd have like an initial call and, and get some information about them and see what they want to do. And then in between, we'd send them resources, one of which was like a, rec- a pre-recorded webinar that I'd already done that helped people get more information about what we do and who we are and build trust. But swapping that out with the podcast episodes built even more trust just because the webinar felt less salesy. I mean, a, a webinar is more salesy and a, and a podcast is like, hey, everybody can view this. It's 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 different psychology around listening to a podcast than a webinar. People just don't feel like they're going to get sold to. I, I, do you know why I think Facebook ads worked so well a few years ago? Is because we were naive. Yeah. People didn't realize they were ads. Like it was sneaking in natively with your friend's photos and you were like, oh, oh you know, this is kind of cool. And it, like it got through to the keeper. And then eventually that that stopped working in the same light. And I feel like webinars are kind of in with that where it's like when webinars came out, I was like, oh my God, like this is this great content. And eventually it got to a point where people just felt like, well, this is just a marketing tool. Yeah. People are just trying to market at me where podcasts, they are still in that native category. Like people routinely listen to them and consume them like they would TV content or radio yeah. shows. And you know what I love about podcasting is that everybody who does a webinar has an agenda to sell something. But not everybody that has a podcast has an agenda to sell something. There's so many people that are in a different industry that may just have a web a podcast that's, you know, telling jokes and they're not trying to sell like something off the back of it or they've, you know, uh, I know there's a really popular podcast that is like true crime stories or something like that where they're not trying to sell stuff off the back of it and we're in this category where not everybody's got an agenda and I think that's really cool. Well, I think that's what makes podcasting special is not every episode needs to be a sell episode you can just make an awesome piece of content for the sake of making an awesome piece of content for your audience and you know if they like you and they like what you're about is they they're going to subscribe to that show and possibly eventually buy from you because of those moves where could could you imagine doing a webinar and it's like right i'm just going to do a webinar and maybe you'll come find me later (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's the difference between the short term like quick you know, quickly, quick turnaround, churn and burn type thing of, of, and then just the long game, right? You're really building your garden here rather than like a webinar is still, I feel the butterfly net trying to catch those butterflies. Yeah, I actually agree with that a lot. So when did you eventually, so you're 10 episodes in and you're starting to use this podcast as a tool to help you convert um, from phone sales and your team from them. But I mean, eventually I know how this story kind of goes that you don't have that sales team anymore Hmm. at what point were you confident enough to move into a model that was i suppose more reliant on content marketing rather than a sales team and direct ads uh initially i was definitely not confident in doing going down that route (laughs) right it was very hard for me to leave that what was a golden goose because it worked so well but it was costing me so much money so the confidence came in that 
expense that I had and not getting a result and seeing people reacting to the podcast. And to answer your question about what stage, I think it may have been after you know, after I started getting the response about three to four months in, then I started, you know, I, I basically at one stage, I just got rid of, you know, the marketing guy. And then I think it may have been the two last sales guys and just went, all right, I'm going all in on, you know, just pushing the content from my podcast, you know, onto different platforms, social platforms and, and boosting it and, you know, getting a bigger audience behind it. And then just getting people through to, you know, free things that I'd given, like amazing things like value, like a, a couple of different free resources and opt-ins that they could jump into and I'd mention every now in the podcast. And then off the back of that, they could go away and work out more about my product and then and then make the decision themselves, not the hard, hard sales call and, you know, let's make this happen and let's get better conversions that way. Uh, it was more just allowing them to come into the garden. And yeah, so I think-, I think it was to answer the question about after the three to four month mark. It's really interesting um, from the point of view is like, I love you keep bringing it back to the garden, by the way. Like we can, we can definitely look at that, but it's like to go through those 10 episodes initially and go, do you know what? I think there's something here. And then after three or four months to really feel a bigger impact from having a show and then to really go hard on content marketing, I think is is a wise plane where I think the whole industry is headed to. And, and it's working out very yeah. well for you. But I want to um, dig into some questions that I always get that I think you would be able to answer really well here as well, Jared. How have you thought about growing your podcast? Like you're someone who's done very well from scratch. What's the approach you've taken to growing the show? I learned a lot from Facebook ads. And I learned a lot about how to, you know, get the best result and get good views on Facebook ads. So a strategy that I used is I would initially just put out my full episode, just like natively upload it to Facebook and put out my full episode and create an ad around it with a good audience, you know, an audience that is into what my audience is into, all the likes and interests that they have. And I started getting really good results. I started seeing people, you know, paying a dollar or I was paying a dollar, sorry, to get somebody to listen to a full 30 to 45 minute episode of my podcast, which is an amazing result. And then started taking a little snippet out and then pushing that and getting obviously a better return on the snippet. Uh, And that's the biggest way that I've helped grow the podcast, I feel. Also, tapping into other people's audiences as well so getting bigger names on the show like i've had some you know the biggest like we sell we teach people to buy website businesses and there's brokers just like there's real estate brokers selling properties there's website brokers selling digital properties and so the biggest brokers online getting those ceos and those those guys that are running those businesses coming them having them come on and share though my episode with their audience has been a, a big has had a big big impact on helping it grow. That's, I mean, I completely agree with that. What's fascinating here, though, is that you've really developed a paid strategy from your previous skill set. So it's like yeah. you're using Facebook ads to get people on sales calls in a prior experience, where now it's using them to consume your content. And I just think they're crazy numbers. Like if I could pay someone a dollar to listen to this podcast, who is in my audience. Um, you can get very aggressive with scaling that. And like, I think it would be a much faster approach than just doing organic, which I feel a lot of people have relied on 
uh, in the past. And a lot of podcasters still rely on this day of like, oh, how are people discovering me and just relying on word of mouth? I will add this out though, because I feel like we may have missed this point for the listeners. Your show is video as well. Like you've gone the video route, which has enabled you to use Facebook ads. It will be much harder to replicate that strategy just on an audio podcast. Yeah, oh, for sure. But I think if you're going to start a podcast, uh, especially if it's, um, you know, as for a business that you want to scale and you're selling products and stuff like that, and you want to make sure you get uh, the be- best bang for your buck in terms of content, it'd be, you'd be silly not to do video because you can chop it and, you know, use different parts on different social platforms like we have, you know, a different video format for LinkedIn and then Instagram TV and Facebook and uh, all that sort of stuff, you know, and even little snippets on YouTube because you get to repurpose that content and use it on all the platforms and video is what people want to, you know, want to see. When they're going to something that's visual, they want to see something moving like a video uh, and then having the audio as well, you can just put it as a, as a regular podcast. But I feel that you'd be silly not to go the video route. Well, you're preaching to the converted, barring Pinterest. <laughs> Pinterest is the only one I, I would exclude from this conversation. But it's become very clear to me that every social platform is hungry for video. They want video. And I think you said something really smart there before is they want video natively on their platforms. So they don't want you putting links to your videos on your website. They want you uploading your video to their platform in their format, whether it's square or rectangle, Mm. and then helping them keep more people on their platform. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the longer someone stays on these social platforms, the more ads they can serve to those people, which pleases their stakeholders. So I always kind of think about it. It was always fascinating. When I started my, um, way back in the day when I was deciding, am I going to be a paid ads guy and do Google ads? Or am I going to be a organic guy and do SEO? I always picked Google ads because I thought like, I'm acting within the interest of Google and I feel like they're going to look after me where it's like SEO. I'm like, how does Google make money out of SEO? Like they don't really like, really they're always going to prioritize the people that pay them. And that's very much my opinion on where social is heading. If you help them please their stakeholders, you will do well on their platforms. Yeah, for sure. And say like I'm pushing ads out to my podcast to an audience, then I'm creating a, another audience on top of that, which is something that I can retarget to, which helps me to go away and say, hey, I'm going to spend more money on, on their platform as well, which is quite smart by them. I was going to say, a very clever business model by Facebook, but I, w- I want to make sure we explain this one. And this kind of ties into my next question I had for you as well, because I've seen the numbers here and I, I really think this has worked um, very well for your show as well. And I would encourage people to do the same. You're putting your video up on Facebook you're running ads to that video and getting people to watch it. But then based on them watching that video, you're also able to run ads to people to watch that video. And I know this is sounding complex, but to take them to resources and other things. Has that been the best strategy for getting people onto your email list and learning more about your business? Hands down. Uh, it's a it's a warm audience, right? So just to make it simple for everybody listening is – when you have a video, somebody who has watched that video, Facebook will track the people that have watched that video, maybe a certain percentage. It could be 10 to 20 to 50 to 90%. Uh, and you can say, hey, I want to, people that have watched 90% of that video, I can put another ad in front of that audience that 90% have watched that first video. And that could ad could be another podcast episode. 
so building more relationship and more trust, or it could be to you know a, a free resource like one of my case study trainings or my due diligence framework or something like that, and they can go away and they can download that for free. Uh, and then somebody has watched that video about my case study for 90% or 50% or 20%, I can retarget them to another ad to say, hey, you know, because it's they've watched two of my videos now, I can retarget to them and say, hey, look, I know that you've watched two of my videos. I know that you've gone away and opted in and got this. How would you like to actually learn more about what I have over here, which is my product or service? And it just, you know, the more people watch, the higher your conversions can become because they become a warmer audience. And it's just a smart strategy. Yeah, I think it's my favorite Facebook ad strategy at the moment for podcasters. I would, I'm hoping people listening to this call will uh, start to take that one seriously because I think it's where the, the low-hanging fruit is on Facebook, in all honesty. What types of resources have done well for you? Because you've spoken about the idea of like, we'll remarket to resources, but what's worked well with your audience for, I suppose, opt-ins or, or gifts or whatever you want to call them? What have been the ones that worked best? The best one that has got a higher opt-in rate is definitely my due diligence framework. So for what I do is I help people do due diligence, so research and investment that they're looking at buying. And the due diligence framework is just a bunch of, que bunch of questions they need to ask and get answers to about the business so they can understand it and get more confidence in the business whether they want to buy it or not. And that's the that's my biggest or highest download or conversion rate is to that actual opt-in. So it's basically just a, a document with a bunch of questions and teaching them how they can find out more about the business to allow them to have more confidence in themselves and make the decision whether it's a good investment to buy or not. I, I mean, it was a loaded question. I had a feeling you were going to say that, but I just want to express something here that I think is really interesting because it, it reinforces something I've believed for a while. Um, I was working on a podcast not long ago, Jared, and um, the person was making really great content, but the opt-in they wanted to. So this is the taking people from their podcast onto their email list. The gift they wanted to give them to get them onto that email list was a 15-hour training. And it wasn't converting well and it wasn't doing well at all, in all honesty. And I keep coming back to this idea that when you try to give away something that takes 15 hours, you're not really giving away anything. Like they have to pay 15 hours to get that knowledge. And it, and it might be really great knowledge, but in the world we live in, it really seems like templates and frameworks um, do really, really well. It's like what is um, high value versus the time investment is where you tend to get the best return on these types of things. Yeah, and how do how does your podcast audience actually consume content? Like everybody else that's in your industry, are they giving away, you know, trainings that are going for an hour or are they giving away a webinar or are they giving away a case study or are they giving away a report or a framework? And what is the audience actually wanting? And how do they like to consume that? And I think that's you just hit the nail on the head because you don't want to just give something that you feel is going to be valuable to them, but you know they're they're actually paying for it in in time. Totally. And nobody nobody has you know everybody's got a busy life these days. You know we consume content like this, so it'd be silly to just make it hard. It has to be something that's such a low hanging fruit that they can still get value from. But this is one of the shifts, like you mentioned before, is like once upon a time, giving away that type of thing, I think would have been different. Maybe five years ago, it would have had more value. 
these days with how busy people are, it just doesn't make sense to make things like that. Yeah. All right. So ne- next question from here, and I'm curious about this one from here. Why do you think your show has or your podcast has been successful? There's a few reasons. Uh, initially, I I perceive that my podcast is I, I like I like to say that it's gotten successes from this is because that I'm very interested in my space. Like I absolutely love it, and I consider myself a massive student. So when people listen to somebody who has a podcast, they think, oh, this person, you know, they know absolutely everything and they're like, they put you as an authority. I like to consider myself as, you know, an equal and definitely as a student and see that, hang on, like each guest that I have, like I get to learn so much from them and the questions that I ask will be the same questions that my audience is asking because I want to learn just as much as they do. And I feel that, keeping on track with you know that those questions instead of going off on big grants and, and going off down different tangents and having a, an hour long or two hour long podcast that doesn't really give the value that the audience want in that time frame that they have to listen to it in their car or wherever it is i feel when you deviate too much from that then you can really lose people so a keeping track of you know being on the right topic and B, being really interested in the topic and asking questions that my audience would actually want to hear or get the answers to as well. You can totally tell when someone isn't passionate about their podcast. Like they, oh, it feels like they're just yeah. treating it like a- um, A tool. Exactly. And it is a tool, but, you know, you can have fun. You know, you can have a better tool. You can make the tool how you want it to be. It doesn't have to be a monotone, you know, boring platform where he's like, all right, I'm just going to like, I, I, I won't mention the person's name, but I was, went on somebody's podcast last week and they were just, that they, they was like slouching. And this is the, this is, I don't know if anybody can see the video, but this is yeah, how they're doing like it. This. We'll just give it yeah. It they're just like this and they weren't <laughs> even looking at me and I'm like, is this guy, is this person for real? Like if anybody's actually watching this, they're going to see this person as like the laziest business owner not actually interested in what they're doing and you're just going to lose lose people and you're you're actually wasting your time even podcasting <laughs> realistically i have a theory all right are you ready on this one I, I feel a lot of people are like last minute podcasters where they like the idea of having a podcaster but they put zero effort into their content either in mm. getting the guests deciding what topics to talk about preparing questions and like just general enthusiasm for their topic And it turns into this self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, if you're coming on your podcast and you're rocking up lazy, monotoned, unprepared, like why would anyone hang around for that? Like, is it really a surprise this show isn't working? (laughs) It's, it's, yeah. How, how could you not see that? Like the level of, you know, it's just comes back to like all the natural laws, the level of attention or focus you give to something is the level of success that it's going to have. So at the end of the day, like, just don't bother, like focus on something that you actually enjoy or have a podcast about a topic that you actually enjoy rather than like set yourself up to win. Don't you set, set yourself up to lose. It's a massive yeah. difference. 
Absolutely. Now, I want to take you to another one here, and I'm sorry I keep jumping ship, but I'm just very aware that our audience will only hang around for a certain amount of time. <laughs> so just for you listeners, I see that drop-off rate. After 40 minutes, you're just not listening at all. So um, we want to make sure we cover um, some valuable points here. But you've mentioned like guest and topic here about making sure you're going after certain guests and then covering topics that your audience wants to hear about. How do you think about that? Like, how do you decide who you want to have on your show and then even what you're going to talk about with them? That's a great question. I like to decide who I have on my show by how much value they can actually bring or how much expertise they actually have. So say, for example, whether I'm like looking for somebody, say I'll be looking for somebody that I know like, all right, haven't covered, you know, how to grow your business with a YouTube channel or Facebook ads or, you know, I like to cover many different topics, not just have the same person on to cover the same thing and do it in a different version, which is just ridiculous because people are just going to see, oh, I had that guest on not long ago. It's covering the same topic. It's not going to get listened to. It's, it's, a, it's pointless. So I like to pick guests that are different to other guests and have different expertise. And then in terms of asking them the questions, what I do is I, I jump on and I do a bunch of research and see what they're really, really good at. And then I get a few different questions and say, for example, that somebody that's great at SEO, I like to look at what type of SEO they're actually good at. Is it on page or is it off page? Uh, is it a link building strategy? Is it you know in a specific niche? What's their expertise? What sort of tools do they use, recommend? And then ask questions based off that, like why do you, you know, why did you focus on on page or s or off page or what's your link building strategy? How would this work? And then when I've got a bunch of questions, and I like to not have too many. I like to have anywhere between three to six. And then off one of those questions, they'll give me an answer, and I like to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper with another question. So similar like to what you've done is like I'll mention something about Facebook ads and then you say what about, you know, what sort of Facebook ad strategy would you have for your podcast and why has it worked? So there's two different questions off the back of the first question and going deeper and deeper allows the audience to actually ensure they get a better understanding of the of that topic and it's far more valuable to them so they can implement it themselves. Mm, I like that a lot in the idea that sometimes you ask a question as a host and it's like you just get the surface and it's not that this person doesn't know more it's just that that's the way they've been kind of conditioned to answer those questions yeah so it's like you know how was your day good (laughs) why was it good like specifically (laughs) they're just Um, on autopilot type thing yeah yeah and it's like every time I found that the when you find that point and, and dig a little bit deeper, like that's where the gold of the episode comes from. It's never the surface question. It's always yeah. the question deeper around the strategy or the tactic or how to solve that. Yeah. But and I, it's really interesting. And I'll just cover that before you can come back on there, Jared, because I know you've got something else good to say, but it's really fascinating to me that you're putting topic first over guest, because I think when you talk to the average podcaster, a lot of their intention around why they get guests on their show is just purely based on their reach. I'm looking for people with a big audience. I'll invite them on my show so that they can um, share my show and it's going to grow. It's not done intentfully with the audience in mind about what's going to be covered. And I think that can really show. It can really, really show. Hugely. I had a... uh somebody who came on who has zero audience and he actually works for a firm. So he's like a finance broker. He came on zero audience and he, when he came on, uh, 
like maybe a couple of days after I just my community started opening up about how amazing that episode was other people that weren't even a part of my community gave me so much great feedback and then when I when I contacted him again uh, and he's quite hard to reach because he's very very busy we did a separate training into my community and he's just like Jared like your podcast has you know I've been on hundreds and hundreds of podcasts over many many years and I go to all these different conferences and I stand on stage when I came on your podcast and I probably shouldn't have done this and what I actually did wrong was I gave you my email on the podcast and he just got bombarded <laughs> with people asking him questions and this guy has zero audience he's got no other outside relationship or you know audience at all and it's all because if you really coming back to what I was going to say before you know, as I was going to cut you off is if you're actually very, very interested then and you ask questions based off your interest, your audience is going to be interested as well and they're going to get so much more value. And I just ask questions that interest you in, uh, are going to be of interest to your audience as well. I think that's just you, you hit the nail on the head again, Charlie. Like you don't have to have somebody with a massive reach or a massive audience to piggyback off to make sure your show gets more views. It's about the level of value that the audience gets that you already have. I think I already know what I'm going to title this episode. Just for the listeners, I always title my episodes after I record because it's like I know what the episode is about. But I think we have to say that one of the keys here to having a great podcast is really putting that audience first. And many other people on this podcast have said the same thing, but it really shines in this experience. I actually think this is like the critical thing of why your podcast has been so successful and why it's accompanying your business so well. Yeah. it's And just to add to that, like I said before, is like just be a student. Like you're, you put yourself in your audience's shoes and be a student. Don't go, hey, I'm the one with the podcast. I know all, I know everything. I'm the authority and let that ego get to you. It's like if you can just shred, like, you know, shed that off and just sit yourself down where they would sit and just ask questions from where they are, it's going to be your audience is going to love it and that's going to help it to get shared more between friends and family and online uh, rather than having to like, try and force relationships with other guests to make sure you can get it shared out. Yeah, totally. To I want to ask a question on that. I want to go deeper on that. We're going to practice what we preach of what we've mentioned here. <laughs> yeah. Let's say you, you are embracing this student mentality. You're coming on and you're really well prepared with your questions and your guest. How do you think about balancing the idea of um, just making your guests look good and promoting them versus building your own brand and potentially having people buy from you. And I want to give this some context. I know of shows where it's like they go in and just ask someone questions and they don't make themselves look good at all. They never add any value to the conversation. And then on other shows, yours is one of them. And then another person who's really good at this is James Shramko. It's like he will interview a guest and I'm like miraculously he's building their authority and his own because of the quality of the conversations. But I'm curious to your thoughts on like, how do you balance that? You've got a guest on, how do you make them shine and make you shine? Initially, I started to uh, just make sure that it wasn't them talking the whole time. So I would listen to what their answer what would be and say, for example, they said, oh yeah, this is this part of SEO is really good because you know, if you do this, this, and this, it's going to help you get more traffic because of this. And then I would make sure before I ask the next question, 
because there's always a pause before the next question or usually, um, you know, unless it's too like too much chemistry within each episode. But normally you'll get a chance to say something before you ask your next question and I would always add to that or, or highlight it in a different version and that's very, very important because every time that that person gives value, then I can come on and give equal amount of value. And then I'm glad that you met. The second part was that you mentioned James Shremko. I actually listened, started listening to his podcast just last year because I started podcasting last year. And hands down, if you haven't listened to James' podcast, like listen to it because it's absolutely amazing. And what he does is very, very awesome and very, very strategic is somebody will give him an answer to a question and then he'll give an answer, you know, add to that. But when he adds to that, he doesn't just you know, say, I think this because of this, he will have a story for every answer. And he then he tells a story of how that experience happened for him in his life or in his business and why that was valuable to him as well to really express or uh, really highlight the answer that the guest had given. So then I started coupling, you know, my opportunity of adding value with stories as well. So they're two amazing strategies that I feel that ensure that you you don't just put the guest on a pedestal and you get left behind. Yeah, I think this is one that in the hosting skills, you you tend to take more serious. I mean, I've been, I'm even doing it on this episode as we go. So like, yeah, I'm going to- You're a natural at it, for sure. I, I don't think so. I think I was terrible at this and I realized, hang on, if I continually build up other people and like, let's, this is an analogy I use. If I make them Batman and I'm Robin, of course they're going to buy from Batman. Like, <laughs> we, we both need to be Batman. Yeah. Um, for this to work. But those points are fantastic, Jared. I like the way you did that. But I think the third one I'm really going to add in here, so see, this is me is adding value, just as you can see. <laughs> so I'm adding value to his answer and a, as and I do story. it. story? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I think something that I've come to realize is the questions you ask also contribute to this. So if you're asking yeah. a question in a way that you have to be an authority to ask that question, so the fact I know about you've got to add value as a host, well, you now know that, hey, Charlie knows how to add value to that conversation. He knows about that topic. He's an expert as well, or perceived expert. I definitely wouldn't consider myself an expert on this topic. I would. But it, I, I'm definitely getting deep into this stuff. Like it yeah. is my obsession. I'm yeah. totally obsessed with podcasting. But I think that is one thing people should take more seriously. And if you're not prepping your questions or topics in a way that make you look good from this, like, well, how could you then? Yeah, so that's a great point. Like, for example, say you're going to ask a question that you know they're going to give you an answer that you abs know absolutely nothing about. How are you going to back that up with a story or, you know, some highlight that value? Because you've, no, you've got no understanding or no knowledge about it, right? It's just don't, don't you, like I said before, set yourself up to win, not to lose turns into one of those passive interviews where it's like you just have to go to the next question because you can't add anything to that conversation. Exactly. Fascinating, Jared. Fascinating. Well, we have reached the end of our time here. What I would say from these guys is it's well and truly worth checking out Jared's podcast. It's Buying Online Businesses is the website and then it's the Buying Online Businesses podcast. I will ensure to include links into this, but there's a few things I think Jared's doing really well. Like one, find his Facebook ads and just go through that funnel. I think he's probably, I'd say one of the best in class at actually working Facebook ads for a podcast. I've 
not seen any shows doing it at his level. And I think just by going through that experience, it can do really well. And then the second part of it is uh, I've seen the conversion rate on his resources page and his resources. I, I might even just check in here. I know it's over 70%, but I don't know anyone else with resources converting over 70%. I think a big reason for that is one, you're so in line with your audience and what they want. Um, but two, it's the quality of the resources. So the second thing I would say is like, have a look at these resources and think about, obviously don't copy. We don't encourage copying on here, but modeling. How did, how could this apply to me? How could I do something um, that's in line with that? Now, Jared, where else can people check on you online and see what you're getting up to? Uh, you can just type my, ni- my name into Google, Jared Krause, so J-A-R-Y-D-K-R-A-U-S-E, and you'll be able to get all my social socials, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, or on, yeah, as you said, buyingonlinebusinesses.com. Sensational, my man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it massively. This is one of the success stories in podcasting I was uh, keen to share and your insights that have come with it. Now, if you have been a fan of this episode, please make sure to subscribe and share this show. This is one that I really want to come out there and help a lot of podcasters. So till next time, thank you for listening. Thanks, Charlie. 